You just made the list. Well, Andy freaking God. I am 100% certain that I am 0% sure of what I'm going to do. Well, we should make a list. Lists are good. Lists are good. Lists are good. I love you in your face. Hey, best friends. Welcome to Lost in Lists. It's a podcast that loves lists and lists its loves. My name is Dan Connell Pasek, and I am the host of this podcast. Each week, I invite a guest, and we rank our top five of some category. Now, we mostly won't claim that our rankings are the greatest choices, but we love them, and we will defend them tooth and nail. Enjoy! Hey there, best friends. Welcome to Lost and Lists. Another amazing episode is at your fingertips and at your listening eardrums. That's not something people say. <laughs> Hi, Dan. What would people say, John? They would say, happy birthday to baby Ben. My son. Who had a two-year birthday this week. Just turned Love it. two years old. How cool is that? Do you know what, Dan? What? I have some kids. I have, you have five. I have a pile of kids. <laughs> okay? That's the correct term for five kids. And... My favorite age is not the oh. age they currently are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the age that whatever age they're currently at, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The age I like is two. Why? Okay? Everyone From says, two to three? Yeah. Everyone okay. says terrible two, terrible two. They are liars. Okay. okay. Twos are the best. Okay. Because the the kids, they're, they're starting to be like people. Uh-huh. They're not just like a baby taking up space. Yeah, right? yeah he takes up space. And what they are is they start interacting and not only interacting because they've been crawling, they've been touching things. Right. They've been interacting that way, but they haven't been interacting like verbally or with yeah. language. Yeah. And, and in that age, they're still, they can't usually, not, I mean, my kids, some kids are amazing, like everybody else's kids probably. <laughs> But, like, my kids didn't have a grasp of how to speak sure. at that age. Right, yeah. They didn't, They, in fact, you know, they would say a few words or whatever, right? But they could understand everything. Yeah. Like, they had a grasp of the English language and understood what was going on around them. Yeah. And were interacting with things that were being processed verbally or, like, audio. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and it makes, like... It makes them so real. Like like they weren't they're not just there. Yeah. Now they're like my buddy. Yeah. And like it was uh, I love twos. I love twos. Threes, totally different story. Threes are bad. Threes are bad. Okay. Because then they start they start sassing and they like, you know, yeah. they're like, Oh no. Uh now I, I get how to talk and now I'm gonna say, Nope, I'm an adult. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. No. No. Okay. You cannot, three-year-old. I think I can handle the sass pretty well, but then again, I'm a very sarcastic person, and three-year-olds don't understand sarcasm. (laughs) A lot of people don't, too. Here's the thing. This kid, I love him to death. He is everywhere, and it's adorable and exhausting at the exact same time. He is up the stairs. He is trying to go down the stairs head first. He is trying to do everything and anything. Uh, He's not. He's so close to walking. He's so close to wanting to get those first steps. Mm -hmm. I mean, he will stand. He will look. He will reach, and then he'll fall. It's scary. It's got to frighten. It's got to be totally freaking like. Scary but for, each the, step, for the two-year-old but or whatever. That's or the true, too. That's true. But each step so far has been super scary. Like, it's like, yeah. oh, crud, he just rolled. Yeah, oh, I'm no. not even talking oh, about he's for crawling. us. I'm right. not even ta- I'm talking about, like, for, for someone to not walk yeah. and then now have to walk. 
there's there's a lot of faith. But in why that. does he want to go head down, head first down the stairs? That's <laughs> what he did the other day. Yeah. He was like, I was at the stairs, like right there with him, and I was trying to like, like say, turn around, Ben, turn around, yeah. let me help you get down the stairs. And he was like, nope, and just put like both hands forward and like hit the step. And I was like, okay, I guess that's a way to try. I think it. it's because kids just aren't very smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're just not. Yeah, it like it's 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 what happens. Yeah. They have to learn. They have to learn, and they they have to gather that experience, and then. They'll figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know who is really smart? Who? Rob Wallace, the <laughs> guest on today's podcast. He said a word that Fricative. I- Well, no, he said several words. Oh, okay. The one I was thinking of, and I remember the def- I remember I remember what the definition is. Uh-huh. I don't remember the word. It oh. was like it was like it started with a T for sure. Okay. And it was like and I'm going to look super stupid right now because everybody uses this word probably in daily language. Well, it'll be but fun it was when people like, mention seeing it in the uh, show. You know, trifoglyph or something like that. And it was... it was Troglodyte. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. That's, right. That's what it was. And it was someone that like, lives in a cave or something yep. like that. I'm like, yep. why wouldn't you just say something? Like a caveman. Like a cave. Like, yeah. but, but like it didn't even cross his mind to say like someone that lives in a cave. Like, it, that would be what I would say, because mm-hmm. I am a caveman, right? Because yeah, you are a troglodyte. That's right. Hey, look at that. <laughs> Audience, this is a fun episode. Rob is just a hoot to have a conversation with. I think that you're going to enjoy it. And if you don't, listen anyway, because we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Hey there, best friend. Robert Kent Wallace. Welcome to Lost and Lists. How you doing, buddy? Hi Daniel, I'm great. Welcome to the show. It's been a long time coming since you should be since you should be on this show since I wanted you on the show. Rob, I think we talked about it the first time in September, and then the first invite was November, and then December, and then January, and now here we are in February. Well, We've you know what? We've... Good things only get better with time. That's right, like eggs. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on a on a. A piece of wood and sell it and put it on uh, uh, halls of middle-aged women across the country. Rob, tell the audience a little bit about who you are. What are you all about? Who is Rob Wallace? How are we connected? Ready, set, my friend, go. Yeah, list. Here's my top five list of things that I am as a person. Oh, starting off on a good note already. Yeah. So beginning at the very beginning. <laughs> I was born at a very young age. Oh dear. Oh dear. This is gonna uh, take a while. <laughs> Oldest of seven boys. Then we'll fast forward about, I don't know, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I met Daniel Kanapasic. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. 2003. And, great year. And life was better. White life was and is better still. <laughs> uh, I married Andrea K. Bishop in 2007. We have six kids, three boys, three girls. I'm in the Marine Corps. been in the Marine Corps now for, oh, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And... Currently living in Germany, which has been great. So I guess that'd be number five. And um, based on actually my listening to Lost in Lists, I've made a decision that I plan now on establishing a Lost in Lists spinoff called Lists We Lost with Bill (laughs) Ticha. He's going to co-host with me because he's clearly awesome. He is the best. Yeah, and we're just going to start like scrubbing, you know, some of your material for (laughs) more, more usable material. And uh, create our own little empire. I'm super excited about that. I have a really good feeling that you and Bill are going to become solid good friends. Hopefully not as good as we are, but I think that that's going to turn into a fantastic friendship and uh, relationship. Side note, how's my favorite Wallace brother Ben doing? 
Ben's doing all right. He's, he's had a he, they've had a season, but he got married two years ago, which I think you remember. Um, they had a little boy last year, which was uh, great, but kind of traumatic the way that it all happened. But uh, God did a cool work and, yeah. and preserved that boy's life. And did uh, they name they him playing... Daniel? They didn't. Nope. Companion Timothy. Okay, could you get on to Ben? Because clearly, I named my son after my favorite Wallace brother, and he decided to not name his son after. Yeah, Whatever. no, you're definitely putting out, and he's not. It's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm on your side in this one. It's fine. Listen, Rob, like he said, has six brothers, and they all have value and are all fantastic. But I'm just going to be honest. Ben is my favorite, always has been. There, I've said it. I put it in stone. They all have value. <laughs> Thanks, <sure>. Dan. <laughs> my brothers have value. That's great. Okay. Uh, now, but, yeah, the way we know each other, I think the real way we know each other, we met at Cedarville. Yeah. Two, I mean, we met, like, in 2002-ish, but we, we like, really kind of met and – became acquaintances towards the very end of our time there in 2003. Literally days. Yeah. But then we really, truly met in the sense that like our minds were melded and our souls joined (laughs) in 2000. And I think it was five when I actually finally moved in with you. Sorry, Lori, it happened with Rob first before you. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, we became roommates in Kalamazoo, Michigan, the greatest little city under the sun. And, uh, had just a rip roaring good time for like i don't know a year or 18 months or so yeah yeah yeah. it happened like right maybe a couple months after you know i had moved to kalamazoo in 2003 and then uh so like all of 2004 and a little bit of 2005 before um, i moved back or i moved to wisconsin uh with rory got married yeah because we got married in 2005 uh so audience rob is one of my dear dear friends rob was in my wedding uh rob and i like i said we became good friends and uh just sort of have kept great contact rob has been there through some really tough stuff in my life at different points and I've always uh, valued and appreciated him and loved him. And honestly, Rob, um, the other episode, one of the episodes where I was with uh, Houston Craft talking about why I am jealous that I can't say I love you to people. This is how, this is what you and John Andrews have in common. Both you and John can firmly and comfortably say to me and to other people, I love you without ever being like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. We don't typically say that. You two are the two that are always like, Dan, I love you. And I'm like, oh, I want to say that more to different people. So Rob, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Now, before we get into our list today, uh, tell the audience a couple of your lists that you said that you were going to share. Rob just decided to come up with some lists on his own, and he wanted to get them them across on this podcast, and I can't wait to hear them because they sound fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to be faithful to the ethos of the show. For sure. I want to to carry my share of the burden that you have laid down for us all. (laughs) And let's Um, be honest, my burden is about 1%, yours might be 2%, and John's is about 97%. So... (laughs) Yeah, just based on what we've gone through the past hour, I think John's 100% carrying the lion's share here. Definitely. John, John, I, I don't even know you, and I love you. Yay! Thanks, Rob. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It's good. Self-love is good. you got to love yourself. It's important. Uh, or at the very least, be comfortable. Oh, there you go. Oh, no, well, thank you. No, no, you John doesn't back love himself me. right now, but he does love you, Rob. I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I, I sort of semi-assumed, having listened to the podcast for a while now, and today listening to a great one with Bill, my new favorite person, that you're going to ask me, you know, like, just out of nowhere, you know, like, give me a top three or five on pick a thing, and because I'm living in Germany, you know, for the first time in my life, yeah. uh, with the Marine Corps, that you're going to ask me about Germany. So I built a list for Germany. I also have another list that we'll get to in a second. Okay. But I'll, I'm just going to go with the Germany one, because I'm assuming that you would have asked me that. Go with the and Germany so, one. I mean, I, I, look, I don't want to catch you off guard or anything like that. You have come to this episode prepared. Tell me, what are your favorite things about Germany? Yeah, so the, the first, 
and, and by first, I mean third, you know, right, right, bottom right, right. of my list, right. but still important. But important. Bronze okay. medal. Bronze medal. Yeah, bronze medal, yeah. And I say this with, uh, I want to be clear that temperance is important to me, that moderation is a good thing. It's a biblical characteristic of a man. But beer is eight euro oh. for 20 500 milliliter bottles. Wow. That, that means that a 17 ounce bottle of beer, there's 20 in a case, it uh-huh. costs eight euro. It's preposterous. It's cheaper than water. It's, wow. It's like, it's incredible. I'm, and it's great. And it's like, I'm in Germany drinking German beer. It's really, yeah. it's really quite great. I'm so surprised you're not three. plastered yet. No, I'm just well, kidding. I mean, it's just still kidding. early. It's only 9 p.m. <laughs> okay. Beer. Cheap. Fantastic. Number two. Yep. And, and to be clear, this yeah. list is only based on things that I have found in the local area that are oh. not here or not having, not having been here for, you know, 7,000 years or so. Like the mountains are great, yeah. but that's not unique specifically to where I'm at in Germany. It's not even necessarily specific to Germany. It's I'm, I'm focusing on things that are German. And, so number two okay. is Ritter Sport, which is a form of chocolate bar. It's kind of like the local Hershey's, except much, much better. And they've got one in particular called Rum Traubenus, which is rum raisins with hazelnut. Oh. <laughs> and it is, it is phenomenal. Daniel, look at this. I'm going to show you the package. Oh, dear. Not that, like, it really is, you know, that impressive. Oh, dear. Just so you can see it and remember it for the rest of your life. Oh. Because when you come out here next summer for my 40th birthday. Yes. We're going to eat these by the fistful. Oh, good. I can gain back all my, my college weights. That would be great. <laughs> well, we'll run a half marathon every day, too. Yes. Oh, we'll talk but, about that in a second. Yeah. They, they're uh, they're phenomenal. And then number, number one. Number one. My all favorite time favorite. And there's, there's like, a sub list to this. Kind of like uh, High Fidelity. Oh, which okay. is unarguably, yeah, like Jack Black's <laughs> greatest film. But you do kind of like, yes. you know, sub-question, right? So here we go, sub-list. Okay. So the number one is German speaking German, which sounds stupid when I say it out loud, and I wish I hadn't said it out loud. I could have just, like, sent it to you in a text. <laughs> but the sub-list to this is kind of like, okay, think about your top three favorite superhero powers. Okay. For me, it's Spider-Man number three, Aquaman number two, because, like, you know, living underwater would be super cool. That'd be amazing. But then... Number one, all-time super, my favorite superhero skill is languages. This guy named Cypher can speak every single language, including, like, you know, uh, computer languages and, like, you know, human subtext and nonverbal communication. I never even heard about him until I started looking this up, specifically for the show, because the idea of being able to speak to other people and other cultures is, like, really interesting and yeah. fun and super cool. Yeah. It's, like, one of the most critical ways you can engage another person. And on some of my deployments, like, learning a little bit of Arabic or a little bit of Dari, and being able to interact with Afghans and Iraqis, like it, it changes the whole dynamic and it like opens up this whole new world. And being in a place where I can be with Germans and learn German and speak German is like the coolest thing about being in Germany for me. And it's one of the yeah. primary reasons that we wanted to be here. So that's, awesome. that's number one for me for the top three gifts things about Germany for the Wallace family. That's fantastic. You know, the only thing that I remember from German in high school is ich muss meine Hose ausgehen und tanzen, which means I must take off my pants and dance. That's all I remember. And I remember I used to not say it correctly. <laughs> and then a missionary friend of mine said, it's actually ausgehen. And I was like, oh, good. I'm glad that you could help me say that correctly. So uh, I'm going to make a lot of friends when I come visit you in Germany next year for your 40th birthday. So, 100%. Yeah, they're so going to be all about that. Is that it for your lists? Or are you going to tell you, are you going to talk about our first no, okay, topic? Okay. No, no. So here's a bonus list. Oh, yeah. Well, a, a second, a second bonus list. So many. Which is, as, I was, as I was thinking about the show and I was thinking about you and how much I love you and how the show is predicated upon all these people that love you and that are, are a part of your life. Oh dear. I was like, Here's my top three favorite guests that you've had so far. Oh, yes. Number three 
And this is a little bit unfair because, like, I don't know the majority of the people that are in your life currently, sure. including John Andrews, who I love. Yes. I don't even know. Um, but uh, that being said, John just kind of has, like, the like the, the meta top. Like, he's not just an honorable mention, but, like, he's an honorable mention that, like, supersedes all the other mentions. Well, because he's in every so, episode. There you go. Yeah. So he's, like, both. He's the Alpha Omega for yeah. when it comes to the <laughs> Oh, gracious. We need to take it down a notch. Well, I mean, you're you're the backbone, the skeleton, mm-hmm. the muscles, and probably the brain. Yeah. Um, so what am I, Rob? What am I? Oh, oh, you're the voice. Okay, you're that's the, it. The mouth. Good, I'll take yeah, it. Just like the lips. Yeah. Let's okay. make it as small just as possible. The lips. <laughs> you're the dental fricative of the show. <laughs> this is the first time the word fricative has ever been used on our show. Okay, John, overarching honorable mention. What's your number three? So number number three, Jared Lawrence. Yes, I love J Lo because yes. well for lots of reasons. He's just a great person. He is. But also we were in we were in student government together. That's right. With with David Von Wenzel, our yes. dearly departed yes. beloved brother. Yes. And J Lo uh, came on and had such a great topic, like short stories. I mean, that's like not only creative but also interesting and cool and a great thing to talk about. And yeah. I was like, man, J Lo killing it. Yeah. And he's teaching in China. Like I he's know. Like, he's doing. The things that I care about, and I'm just so proud of him. And I, I haven't even seen him in 17 years. And JLo, shout out. If you listen to this, brother, I'm proud of you. You're my number three. Only because number two is Jeremy Wickler. Because Wickler is just... Yeah. He, I mean, he's just, like I, I don't really have words for it. He's yeah. just Jeremy Wickler. And if I could hug him right now mm-hmm. and just keep hugging him and just like just you know absorbing some Wickler... Oh, that make me so happy. I want to let you know that Jeremy Wickler looks and weighs about the same that he did when he was in college back in 2004. Nothing's changed. Yeah, not not surprised one bit. And he's no, a lawyer no. and had a great topic mm-hmm. and, and is super sharp and clearly doing great things. Just, he's amazing. Yeah, I was super excited. But number one, far and away, I mean, and, and not to take anything away from John or uh-huh. from you or for Jared or Jeremy, but Bill. Yeah. I mean, I just... He is awesome. He's I don't great. even know the guy, and I just want to spend the rest of my life with him. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I can't wait to text him that. Here's the problem. The fact that, that you couldn't get beyond the first 10 minutes of Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Oh. Not that I'm making an apology for that movie, because that movie's got plenty of issues. Sure. But there's a scene in there where Johnny Depp is tripping <clears> and, <throat> and pretends that he is Ahab. And I won't even bother trying to actually quote it with the inflection and style. Yeah. But the, the that that scene, and this is going to come up again later, like a, a thing that's on my list that is there because of a scene. That scene Ooh. makes that movie worthy of being on Bill's list, and you need to watch that scene. <sighs> just search for Fear and Loathing Las Vegas okay. and search for the Ahab scene. Ahab. And, and it just kind of like it captures the whole crazy foolishness of the whole the whole film. <sighs> Rob, I feel like your introduction so far is going to be enough for a future guest to put you in the top three of their favorite guests so far. You are cracking <laughs> me up so far. I absolutely okay, love which it. actually brings us it brings us to like the beginning of where this all started, which was oh. you asked me. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, are you going to do your are you going to do your next? I'm going to do the ri- I'm going to do the original. Do yeah. the original list. So okay, I so- originally asked Rob to be on the podcast. I said, Rob, give me a list of topics what you want to talk about because that's what I do when I you know get a guest, and this is what Rob originally wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the best road trip albums because when Dan when Dan and I were talking about this originally, it was end of September of last year. I was driving from Monterey, California, where I just finished grad school, to Michigan to link up with my family. I was passing through the Great Basin in the American West and just listening to music 
and as I was coming into uh, Salt Lake City, I was listening to Dan's podcast, actually the Jeremy Wickler episode. Perfect. And uh, I was thinking as Dan and I were talking about how much I love road trips and I like that little bit of like space by myself, just kind of seeing America, you know, spool by and listening to music that like either takes you back or that is right in the present because it's music you just found or whatever. And like how important music has been to me, how it continues to be important to me. And I thought, man, I would love to talk about my top five favorite all-time road trip albums. To which Dan responded. What did I say? I don't know albums or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you said like, <laughs> I don't think I actually know music. Listen. This is going to be a very one-sided conversation. Listen. <laughs> There's, there is something on my list today that is going to completely connect with that idea. You'll find out about it in a little bit. But I don't know albums as a whole. And I don't know why that is. I think it's just because for some reason, if I hear a song, I like a song and then I get connected to that song. And then if I go to buy the album, I'm like, well, really, I only loved that song. And I'm only lucky if I'm able to get a couple of other songs that I really, really enjoy. My music taste is crap. I don't have good music taste by any <laughs> means at all. Or if somebody's like, listen to the span, I'm like, that's a cool song. What about Aha's Take On Me? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I'm not... Like, I have zero good taste when it comes to music. I don't agree <laughs> with that. But I am interested in hearing Rob's list. John, I am, I'm going to read to you in, in speed round right now the top five albums people should listen to. Hit us with it. And in, and in, uh, as an upfront caveat, I was about to say in my defense, but I don't feel the need to defend myself. You as don't caveat, have to. This list and also the primary list that we're here to talk about isn't me saying you are alternately, isn't me saying this is the best or that this is something that like, should define our road trips or even that this would be reflective of road trip album lists that you might look up online. That's not the point I'm making. <laughs> the point I'm making is that I'm here to talk to my friend Dan. Daniel invited me to talk to him. I meet my new friend John. And what we're really going to talk about are the albums that I want to listen to and that therefore you should oh. listen to if you're listening to the podcast. Okay. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying it's a good motive. I, I, and I'm no. not saying that that's like, you know, not a, not a selfish motive because it is. But, you know, it's about the three of us right here. Again, you know, in this electronic we, space. we always say that it's our list. We defend it tooth and nail. It does not matter. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a weird phrase. I don't know. Like, indicates that all your weapons are gone. You're just, like, biting people and calling them. <laughs> like, Story of my childhood. Weird, it's a weird thing to do. <laughs> okay. What's your, what's, your, what's your albums? Okay. So, here's the albums. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to give this. Okay. So, the important part to remember here, too, I'm going to give the album, the name of the artist, the album, and then one song. That you should listen to. You, Daniel. You specifically listen to this one song, and it'll give you a flavor for the album. And if you like it enough, you can listen to the rest of it. But I kind of knew your attention span. <laughs> but I, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to experience the audible joy that I go through every day of my life. And this is why you and Bill are going to be friends. Um, John, make sure you get these all on the list. We're on the list, Dan. And, and I'm not, uh, what I'm not doing is I'm not doing these in order of priority because... Oh. That, that would be like cutting my soul into pieces. Okay. I'm just going to give you... So we're not going to put horror cruxes in different spots. Okay, good to know. <laughs> we're not doing good. that. I'm just going to give you five good ones. And I'm just going to start... I want to start, actually, with one that I just recently came across, which is shameful to me because I should have known about this a long time ago. But one that I just came across that uh, was given to me by a good buddy, and this is your honorable mention, and it's John Prine, P-R-I-N-E, who apparently was one of like the godfathers of like rockabilly, or not rockabilly, but like true country country western that kind of grew out of the 50s 
before it turned into Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the mold of like American folk singers that were like playing like real country, like this guy has been considered one of the best songwriters of all time by dudes like Bob Dylan, who, you know, Bill. don't speak about Bob Dylan. Right. But John Prine. So uh, the album's Fair and Square, and the song is Clay Pigeons. Okay. It was released, I think, in 2015. Um, in, in, incidentally, John Prine died about a year ago in April of COVID at the age of 73. Which wow. Is um, but he'd had cancer uh, approximately 10 years earlier in his mouth and had surgery, and it changed like the tenor and tone of his voice. And he kind of sounds a little bit like Johnny Cash towards the end of his, his life. Wow. So it's like a voice that has like some, some gravel in it and some years in it. And it's just a really cool song. And it's got this line in it that I think you're like, which is, uh, tired of running around looking for answers to questions that I already know. I could build me a castle with memories just to have somewhere to go. I'm tired of running around looking for answers to questions that I already know. I could build me a castle with memories just to have somewhere to go. Which is a pretty cool line. That's great. Yeah. So I'm passing these all to myself. You should. I'm writing them down. I thought John was oh, right. Yeah, man, I love those old school, old country guys. Johnny Cash doing all his cover albums like towards the end of his life man those guys are good and i love john prine oh pheno- they're phenomenal and and since you brought him up in probably everybody knows this about johnny cash but when he covered hurt trent reznor at his memorial service did johnny cash's version of Hurt. really trent reznor himself had written yeah and he said, it's, it's Johnny's song now, and he's never going to play it again, <gasps> which is held true. Wow. He said, he said Johnny Cash did his song better than Trent himself did, which oh, is golly. pretty wild. Yeah. It's that gave me and that, you know, frankly, John, that's another honorable mention. John Andrus, that's another honorable mention for Daniel Kanapasic. You're going to listen to Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt from America American 3. Four. Is it 3? Okay. Yeah, I think so. American 3 or 4. You can't miss it. It's all over the webs. Okay. The webs. Okay. Next. Okay. So here's the actual list. Tom Waits. First album is Closing Time, which is his first c- commercially released album. The song off that album is Rosie. Okay. And it's, uh, it's like piano, piano folk, kind of like, you know, bar music from the American West circa, you know, 1972. Oh, good, because I hate 73 and 71. 72 yeah, is my jam. Years. Yeah, real bad. <laughs> and then, well, hey guys, sorry to interrupt. It is American 4. Oh, yeah, I got Oh, good job, John. Uh, I think. Okay, Tom Waits, closing time. I was wrong. Oh. No, but I mean, good job researching. Thank you for your, your service and, and research. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and then I, Tom Waits gets two, because I really love Tom Waits. And this is from his later era after he'd met his wife, who like changed his sound, and she's apparently a really cool woman. Um, but anyways, it's the album's Rain Dogs, and the sun is Gun Street Girl, and it's the only song that I know that uses a hammer and an anvil as one of the instruments. Ooh. And you're gonna love it. It's super cool. Okay. I got that one now. Yep. Number two is a band... I feel like we've had four so far, and now we're at number two. <laughs> <laughs> they were honorable mentions. Oh, okay. On, uh, just 
want to throw this out there, but I love Tom Waits. So great. And for the people in our audience that may not know who Tom Waits is, but you have watched The Wire on HBO. Oh, I've never seen it. Uh, Tom Waits performed the theme song for season two, Way Down in the Hole. Awesome. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, He's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He's number you one on my list. <laughs> Getting back to lists of people that I would like alive that I would like to have a beer with. Oh. Far and away, number one. He just seems like a super interesting guy. Um, so yeah, Tom Waits, Rosie, and Gun Street Girl. Number two is Mogwai, a Scottish progressive rock band that I'm sure you're probably going to hate. <laughs> However, it's important to me that you listen to it. So the album's called Rock Action, and the song is Two Rights Make One Wrong. Okay. Yeah. Then um, Mogwai three, is like the gremlins in Gremlins, right? Sure. Okay. Never seen that movie either. Oh, oh. Okay. Two yeah. rights make one wrong. Correct. Okay. This is why this is this is why Daniel, I did not initially come to you with a topic of real pop culture, like movies and television, <laughs> like because like I just don't know. I've never seen The Wire. I've never seen Gremlins. I just wa- I was forced to watch Top Gun a couple years ago because one of my Marine Corps buddies was just astonished that I'd never seen the movie and threatened me with violence until I watched it with him. Oh, so number um, number three, and this is a special one to me because this is the first live show I ever went to as a semi-adult. I was at Cedarville. I wasn't a real adult yet, but I was no longer in my parents' household. So I like I went to a Newsboys concert when I was 16 or something. <laughs> this is the first real concert that I went to. I went to it at uh, Antioch. In yellow in uh, Yellow oh. Springs, yeah, with my like my dear friend Emily, and there was this band that at the time was called Little Joe Gould, which I loved the name of that band. They changed their name, including like retroactively changed it from like the album that they were on tour for that year. They retroactively changed the album name. So when you look it up on Spotify or whatever, you have to look it up under this band name, which is no longer Little Joe Gould, which was great, and is now Murder by Death, which is dumb. But <laughs> there's reasons for it. If you want to read the backstory of the band, there's reasons for it. Um, but they they were super cool, and they played their album like The Exorcist, but more breakdancing. So <laughs> a little like pop culture, a little pop culture reference for yes. you. Yes. And you're gonna like this too. The name of the song is "I'm Afraid of Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf." Oh my goodness. I know. This so one's already my favorite. This one's <laughs> already my favorite, and I have not heard one yeah, note. Actually, I think. Well, I think this might be your number two. I think, I think personally, as you reorder these in your life and you listen to them, this may become your number two. Okay. Um, so, so my number two, and again, I say number two, but really, there's no priority order here. I've lost it's, all count of how many songs we've mentioned. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I think this is eight. This is song number eight. Okay. But it's no, it's number two on the list, uh, and that's Pete Yorn. The album is Music for the Morning After, and um, I actually I couldn't decide which song I wanted you to listen to. I'm not saying you need to listen to the whole song, but I'm going to give you a couple op- options real quick. So Pete Yorn, and this album came out the year I started at Cedarville. Uh, this is Pete Yorn. Y-O-R-N. And the album title, Music for the Morning After, is all one word lowercase, not that that matters. <laughs> Thank you, E.E. E. Cummings. <laughs> um, so I would say start with On Your Side. Okay. 
And then the next song, uh, Sleep Better, is also really good too. If you listen to those two back to back, those are the first and second songs at the end of the album of the, of the last three. Okay. So it's like songs one and two, and then there's the last song of the album. So you're at the end of the album when you listen to those songs. That was a super confusing way for me to explain that. Yeah, it was. Just listen to Sleep Better, listen to Sleep Better, or listen to On Your Side, and you'll go into Sleep Better, and you'll like them both, and you'll be glad that we talked about it. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Then um, my last one is a band that I just found out about two years ago, and they are from Michigan, which is part of the reason I love them so much, but their music's phenomenal. Uh, They're from Petoskey, too, which is one of my favorite places in Michigan. Oh, the Stone! Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I taught uh, Michigan so the, history for one year. That's a whole other story. <laughs> well, uh, this has nothing to do with Michigan history. <laughs> but the band's called Michigan Rattlers. Like the snake? Correct. Okay. And the album is Evergreen. Like the tree? And this is, this, correct. Okay. And this is a twofer also. So the first song that you should listen to is Illinois Sky, which has... A couple cool lines in it, one of which references one of my favorite beers in the world. We're talking about beer kind of a lot. That's okay. Do we need to edit that out? Okay. Um, But it's (laughs) Two-Hearted Ale from Kalamazoo, from from Bell's Brewing. Yeah! Um, But they reference that. But the the line that I thought that kind of applied to you and I sort of in the sense that, like, this is the transitional period of our life where we're going from, like, childhood and college to being adults and making decisions to get married and starting, you know, homes and lives and families, whatever else, um, is we thought we were good at being cool. We thought we had learned how to live like men. Drinking beer on the back porch, smoking blues one after another. And I had this like vision of you and me drinking. I don't think we were drinking beer. I think we were drinking like lemonade or Snapple or something <laughs> in that like courtyard of the apartment building, like shortly after playing naked frisbee or whatever like random thing we were doing back there. But I like I had this vision of us like tr- pretending that like we knew what we were doing with our lives and like both teaching and at least I was completely clueless. I think you were really an adult. But I, was I was a little more on track at that moment yeah. in my <laughs> life. Were, but, you, you know. Were on track. <laughs> you were on track. But that song, and then the second one is Baseball. And I think uh, I think you'll like that song. Okay, Illinois Sky, Baseball. And Baseball, yeah. Hey, Rob, I have a quick fact check for you. Hit me. The Illinois Sky song that you just mentioned is not on Evergreen. It is on the self-titled album, Michigan Rattlers from 2016. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. Oh, John, thank you. Just wanted to th- let you know. The self-titled al- album. Yep, you're absolutely right. Thank you, John. You're absolutely right. I have right. so many things to listen to now. I'm so excited. Well, Rob, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to go ahead and talk about what our list is and uh, no, our top five No breaks. No, my kids are sleeping. I'm here till like the next nine hours. Let's do this. <laughs> Shoot, I should not have scheduled another one after you. Darn. Smoking blues one after another, calling out to the pretty babies, dancing out under them street lights, praying to whatever gods we had. Oh, honey, don't let me be alone again tonight. What are we actually talking about today? What's the topic? <laughs> okay. So we are actually talking about, and and it is important that this title is the title. Okay. Like, I'm not just going to say it and then that it disappears. Mm-hmm. This is the title of the show. Okay. So this better be on the stinking podcast when I look it up in a month. <laughs> it will be. Top five movies that aren't well regarded but should be, including movies that might be well regarded, but I don't realize it because I'm ignorant. <laughs> That's... That's the title. That's what's going to be there. 
And the subtext is that, again, like this caveat, which is that I'm not saying that these aren't good movies. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that at all. Because actually, one of them I know for sure is a phenomenal movie. Yeah. And as I was, I was doing my research, I come to find out other people thought it was phenomenal too, including the Academy Awards. Oh, okay. But screw those guys. Yeah, because, they don't know. Because when I looked at the budget returns, it did not make the money that it should have given oh, how good it was. And really? So, it was not. It was not recognized by the audience as 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 phenomenal as it actually is. Now, but yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. Audience, here's the thing. I could not remember what exactly Rob wanted to talk about in terms of how this was going to go. So I texted him earlier this week to say, okay. Here's the thing. I've got movies on my list that are regarded as good movies, but I'm just very passionate about them and I want people to like them more. And I wish that they yeah. were like, like either watched yes. more or they made more money or they got recognized yes. a little bit more. And Rob said, yes, that's fine. Cause I just want to talk about gross point blank, but you told me that you're not <laughs> talking about gross point blank today. I'm not talking about gross point blank. Although I kind of want to, because John Cusack is one of those people to me that like he's not he's not like a phenomenal actor. He's not like changing the world when right. it comes to acting. But like he's been in some really cool movies. He has. He seems to be a genuinely nice person. Yeah. His sister's a wonderful person. Yes. Like they see, well, I should say I don't know that. They seem to be. And as a result, he should be making a lot more money. Like people should be watching his movies because he's great. I agree. And he's not a jerk, and he's not creepy, and he's nope. not you know all the things that make me hate actors. Like, yeah. He's a normal Give John guy. John Cusack some credit, yeah. Yeah. And he, he did high fidelity. I mean, right. like, how can you not love John Cusack? Right. Good call. So, Rob, I'm going to tell you, this is how I put my lists together. I went to my DVD collection. I've given up all my CDs, but I've not given up my DVDs. And I went to my DVD collection, and I just started pulling out movies that I'm like, I feel like more people should know this movie. And then right. from there, I whittled it down to these five. That's how I got to these five on the list. How it's did you get to it, though, because I because I I did the exact opposite. I got oh. rid of all my DVDs and I have all my CDs. There you like, go. From the, from the first CD I ever received until current, I have them all. What's the first CD you have ever received? So we're like we're like a perfect pair. Uh... Like my hands are cupped right now, like this. Like we're like two peas in a pod. <laughs> sorry, Lori. Sorry, Andrea. Rob and I are melded again. Okay. You're the DVD pod. I'm the CD pod. Oh, that's nice. Or I guess P. One pod, two peas. <laughs> DVDs, CD. Um. John, John doesn't <laughs> like it. My very first CD, but it was it came to me a weird way, so I don't consider it my truly first okay. CD. But it came with a computer that my dad bought in 95, which is super random. I think it was 95 or 96. It showed up with the computer from the computer store, which is like really strange. But it was MTV Unplugged Nirvana. Oh, wow. Like, yes. That's it's a, a phenomenal great, album. great oh, phenomenal CD album. to come with a, with a computer. It, like, it came in the computer. So weird. Like, but anyways, my first ones that I ever bought for myself, which was like just a year later, was um, Collective Soul, Collective Soul, which is also a really solid album. Uh -huh. Again, underappreciated. And then U2 Under a Blood Red Sky, which, you know, whatever you think about U2, that's a good album. And you know, frankly, I don't think that much about U2 either. Right. But that's a good album. Awesome. But we're not going to talk about albums. No, we're not. We're going to talk about movies. We already talked about that. What's your number five? It's dead to me. It's dead. And uh, just one quick second. I just want to point out that in my list, I picked movies that actually won Academy Awards, but I felt like they didn't get enough recognition. So I hope that's cool. And in fact, I have one that did win an Academy Award that I will get to at the, that is my number one, so. Hey, speaking of Academy Awards, Daniel, this is one of my, it's not one of my favorite things about you because it's, it's kind of tangential, but it's like a thing that I think about when I think about you, which is this. Daniel, who won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1982, the year that I was born? Gandhi. Best Actor, Ben Kingsley for Gandhi as well. 
Uh, best actress was Meryl Streep for Sophie's Choice. <laughs> I love Ben Kingsley. Best supporting actress I remember was Jessica Lange for Tootsie because I love the movie Tootsie. And I don't remember <laughs> best supporting actor. Listen, audience, I used to have this idiot savant ability to be able to do this. But as time has gone on and I've adopted a baby, I can't remember like the last 20 years. But if you would like to go from 2000 and earlier, I'm going to have a lot of random facts about the Academy Awards in my book. Yeah, well done. So 2000, the year I graduated high school. Best, best picture 2000? Best Hold on. Best original song that year in 1982 was An Officer and a Gentleman, Up Where We Belong. 2000 was Gladiator. That won Best Picture that year. So that means that I watched Russell... Gladiator last week. I didn't even know Did that. you? Yeah. So Russell Crowe won Best Actor. Best Actress, ooh, I want to say was Julia Roberts for Aaron Brockovich, but I'll have to go back and look at it. Anyway, that is that is one of my abilities. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so I have... I need to brush up on the last 20 years. I'll say this just so you'll know that I am not totally uncultured, but I watched Get Out last night. Ooh! It, it got all that buzz. So Jordan Peele, brilliant, by the way. Yeah! He spent $5 million on that movie and it made $256 million. That's, I love when that happens. I love it's, when that happens. It's so cool. Yeah, and that movie's um, fantastic. Good, okay, yeah, what's your number five? Is Get Out your number five? No. Oh, okay. uh, I have two honorable mentions. Matchstick Men with Nicholas Kim Coppola, otherwise known as Nicholas Cage, okay. and Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's going to make an appearance later on also. Ooh. Uh, gross on that one was $65 million from a $62 million budget. So underappreciated, but really good. And if you haven't seen it, you should. Okay. And then uh, Usual Suspects, which I think is generally kind of regarded well. It is. But I, I, I kind of wanted to throw it out there because it's one of those things that like, it's always in the back of my mind. It's like a really good movie that people don't really talk about. And that one grossed 34 from a $6 million budget, which is, percentage-wise, the, the best-paying film on my list. Oh. Not that that's the metric that I use, but, you know, just for consideration. But is there? So my true number five yeah. is Galaxy Quest. Oh, okay. That's a great movie. Do you know it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, of course. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so the cast is spectacular. It's got, well, I shouldn't say spectacular. It's got some big names in it though. It does. It's got Tim, it's got Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is in this movie. It was I know. close my mind. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub, Daryl Mitchell. That's like the primary cast. And then Sam Rockwell making an appearance. Yep. One of my favorites. Yep. I love Sam Rockwell. And it's Rain Wilson and Justin Long's first feature film appearance, which really? I did not know. Interesting. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, the general uh, plot is like a team of folks that have been on a show together in the 80s, kind of Star Trek-ish. They're washed up. They make their rounds now on like the convention, the fan convention stuff, signing mm -hmm. autographs, whatever. And then real aliens come to Earth <laughs> and to get them. To say, hey, real we're being aliens. attacked by this bad alien that's trying to destroy us and we need your help because we've seen your shows and you win all the time. And they think that these actors are actual space people that can go and like defeat aliens and they take them up to space where they have built a one-to-one -one scale replica from the TV show of the spaceship that they were piloting in this show, including like all the things that make no sense in like the actual Star Trek, which yep. is a spoofing. Uh, like for instance, this object that no one really knows what it does, but like changes the entire plot of the movie and like this corridor, that, and this is all kind of the same scene, but like this corridor that leads to this special object that you could like release to do, change the plot of the movie. And this corridor has got like all these random ways to like kill you. And you're trying to like get your way through like these battering rams and like flames. <laughs> and Tim Allen's clothes are on fire. And Sigourney's clothes are like being torn off at this point because like that's what happens in movies like this. You right, know? right. And like the whole thing's just like very spoofy, but also like really, really genuinely funny. 
And uh, yeah, that's that's my number five. Like, I really genuinely enjoy it. I watched it. Most of these films I watched in like my college, like yep. actually 2000 to 2005 when I was living with you. Like that's the window of time yep. that most I watched both these movies, and they like stuck with me, which you know is probably true for most of us. But and that one's such a true cult classic. Like that is of its time, and the people that watched it at that time will love and swear by that. What a good choice for your number five. Absolutely fantastic. You, love Galaxy Quest. I just fully support that. Um, my number five actually was nominated for three Academy Awards when I go back and look at it. But the movie itself, like, I don't know how it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I don't know how it didn't get nominated for some acting awards. Um, I think it's got such a brilliant story. And it's one of those movies that, for the most part, when I tell people to watch it, they're like, oh, I've never heard of that before. Or they're like, oh, I've heard of it, but it doesn't seem like it's something that I'm interested in. And that movie is... Children of Men. Sci-fi thriller movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, that's the reaction. Oh, yeah. yeah. The movie's amazing. It deserves more it's... than an, oh, yeah. And no, 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 no. That's, that's me, like, remembering that it exists. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a movie that more people <laughs> should be like, oh, a sci-fi movie, Children of Men. It's one of the best movies ever. It has Clive Owen, who I don't actually ever usually care for, Julianne Moore, who I care for all the time, and yep. Michael Caine. And as you know from listening to my episodes, I have a little summary here. So in 2027, six years away, in a chaotic world in which women have become somehow infertile, a former activist agrees to help transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea. Directed and written by Alfonso Cuaron, which Alfonso Cuaron has definitely become a Hollywood fan favorite, has won awards for different films and things like that. Um, Children of Men somehow, I think that year got overshadowed by The Departed, which is one best, which won Best Picture that yeah. year. And if you look at some of the other movies, you're like, okay, those are great movies. But I think for the ingenuity of that movie, um, for the excitement that movie creates. The acting's amazing. The ending, like, will shake you. And for me, the thing that gets me the most in that movie is that it is known for its long takes. Like, like you've seen 1917, where, like, the whole movie is one long take. Children of Men will have a couple of these scenes where they're just these super, super long takes. Um, everybody practically dies in the movie. I mean, it is... <laughs> bleak but it is fantastic uh yeah, didn't win any one. academy awards but it's still my number five because i love it that's a good one yeah yeah well done how about you number four yeah so number four uh i don't know how to do quite the like the sneaky lead-ins that you do that's okay you can just be blunt about it yeah but i'll say that in this i guess i'm starting to I'll, I'll, you don't see it right yet but there's kind of a trend across my films which i sort of regret it's unintentional. Okay. I didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> and yet it's still there. Don't read too much into it, but it's another spoof. Oh, so it's all uh, spoofs. Okay. Well, I mean, it just – it just again, I didn't do it on purpose. It was that time in life perhaps, and maybe it's just that time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, but this one is about a beauty pageant. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Yeah. So uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, <laughs> which is so stinking funny. It is. And it ha it's another movie with like a great cast. Yes. It, it made $10.5 million on a $10 million budget. So it completely bombed when it came out. Yep. But it is so stinking funny. It's got Kirstie Alley in it, mm -hmm. Ellen Barkin in it, Kirsten Dunst, who just, again, seems like kind of a genuinely decent person. You know how much I love Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I do. And then uh, Denise Richards, who is... Yes. The entire time I was watching that, I was thinking a little bit like, 
she's supposed to be 18, but she already looks 40. Right. And as far as I know from like just what I heard, you know, in, in the the ecosphere, she's she is not a, probably a great cast for this role. Right. But, you know, neither here nor there. Sure. It also has one of my favorite lines, uh, which, you know what, actually, we're not going to play that clip. That's that's not a good clip to play. Okay, okay. But suffice to say, it's a uh, <laughs> it's it. a very it's a very funny movie because it follows these like girls who care very deeply about this regional beauty pageant. Um, they're they're all competing obviously in order to like have you know prime <laughs> prime placement. <laughs> but it's like it's like the most it's like the most extreme versions of what could be and what frankly came to be in the reality television culture. Not you know, ten years later, yeah, of of people living out this bizarre manifestation of their inner insecurities, and then just like throwing them on the world, and then everything that can go wrong does in the most like bizarre and catastrophic way possible. But it's still, it's not like that's not believable, I guess. Like even in the movie, um, but it's like just not weird enough that it still allows you to laugh along with it. Yeah, and Brittany Murphy's in it, and yeah. like Brittany Murphy was like always a genuinely funny person to watch yeah. act because it seemed like she was just having fun the whole time. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Drop Dead Gorgeous, and it's not on Apple yet. Like you can't really find this thing electronically, which drives me crazy. I can't find it on Amazon, can't find it on Apple, can't find it on Netflix. Like that's surprising. What year did yeah. it come out? Do you have that listed? It came out in '99. Okay, okay, yeah, I guess so. Because it's also the mockumentary style, which you yeah. know, like that's what Christopher Guest is known for. Correct. And then you, yeah. you know, you, you get a lot of those TV shows like The Office and Parks that then do follow the mockumentary or the documentary style. Um, but oh, that was a good choice. An interesting little like side element to this too is that Mark Mothersbaugh did the music for that film. Okay. And Mark Mothersbaugh did the music for most of. Um, I can't remember the guy's name all of a sudden. The dude that did uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, uh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that there's there's more to come. So okay, okay, there's more to I come. I did my little evil finger. The people can't see, but I'm doing my little evil fingers. Okay. Right so, now, Rob is gorgeous. twirling his dastardly mustache. As <laughs> my mustache. <laughs> I'm waxing my facial hair. <laughs> Okay, so my number four, I already forgot. I have to go back and look at my list. I'm, I really am happy that you just said uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. That needs a rewatch if I can find it somehow. Okay, my number four, I'm not just choosing because it, it's close to home, but I really do think it's a great movie. And I'm going to have John play a clip of it. When tragedy befalls you, don't let them bring you down. Love can cure your problems. You're so lucky that I'm around Let my love open the door Let my love open the door Let my love open the door To your heart So that clip comes to comes at the end of the movie Dan in Real Life. Now Dan in Real Life, have you seen Rob? I have not. Oh, good. Dan in Real Life stars a lot of big names. The headliner is Steve Carell. And it came out in the middle of just the enormity and how famous The Office was. But other people that are in Dan in Real Life are Dane Cook, which, whatever, Diane Weist, Juliette Binoche, Alison Pill, John Mahoney, uh, Amy Ryan, which is fun because Amy Ryan plays Steve Carell's uh, uh, love interest later on in The Office, plays Holly in The Office. But the basic premise of the movie is a widower, played by Steve Carell, Dan, 
finds out the woman he falls in love with is his brother's girlfriend. And essentially what ends up happening is that they are all away for like the weekend, having a big family reunion. And um, Steve Carell has these three daughters and one is just an absolute awful brat. Uh, and the other two are, are okay. They've got their own personalities. And it's, it's just a series of a couple of days of how Steve Carell is still kind of devastated by the death of his wife. And, um, is now falling in love with this woman and it just uh just it's heartbreaking and wonderful all at the same time it's also one of those movies where i look at the family and they do different things and i'm like i want to be a part of that family like they have a lot of fun together like like there's one scene where they're doing the same crossword puzzle at the same time and they're competing with each other to see who's going to (laughs) win like the girls against the guys and they have a family talent show and i grew up with like not a lot of siblings close to my age and i'm like i want a family talent show growing up again I'm watching movies and hoping that they're going to be my reality. But the thing that blows my mind in that movie is we know Steve Carell at that point in Hollywood for The Office and for 40-Year-Old Virgin. And then he does a very serious movie. And he knocks it out of the ballpark. He's fantastic. It's a movie that is is under the radar. It's a solid story. It's very sweet. Steve Carell's amazing. Dan in real life. Check it out. I think I will. It's good. It's, it's, it's really nice. Solid. Number three. Keep it going. My number three, and I, I feel very strongly about this movie, and I think a lot of other people do too. Like, this is the one that that got the acclaim that it probably deserved, okay. but did not receive the popular attention that it should. Okay. And and I'm, like, I'm, I'm making a serious plug for this. Like, this is a movie that ought to be watched for the pathos, for the depth of emotion being shown by the, the characters as they're struggling through, like, real-life stuff that was happening in America several years ago that's happening in America now. Okay. Like this detention of like losing things that are close to you and trying to find a way to resolve them. And I, I say that like their resolution is not a good resolution. It makes for a great movie, but like don't do this clearly. Okay. Um, but it's, it's hell or high water. I've never seen is, that movie. Oh my oh, goodness. It's, it's great. It I, is, I know it was it nominated. It's crazy how good that movie is. Oh, it is stupid. Ben, ben good. Foster, so, Ben Foster. Ben Foster, hands down, my favorite actor. Really? Like every time he, every time he's in anything, and I watch him, I am just amazed. Did by you watch Six Feet Under? That's what I first saw. Him. Oh, okay, good, and, good, good, good. And, and I was just like, this dude is head and shoulders above his peers, and he continues to put in absolutely stellar performances. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he acts opposite Chris Pine, who does yes. a great job in a dramatic role. Yep. And and uh, is I kind of like Chris Pine too because he's not like the classically. Hollywood handsome dude. He looks like he's he looks kind of like Mel Gibson back in the day. Like he got, <laughs> he got in a fist fight before he went to his audition. And he's like, well, you know, here it is. I'm gonna give it my best. But uh, the two but of them the are with Chris Pine. He gets lost in the Chris Pratt and the uh, Chris Evans and all the Chris's. He gets lost. He's not the one that's me. not remembered. Not for me. Not for you. Chris, <laughs> Chris Evans could disappear and no one would know the difference. Uh, that see, guy is not. He is not doing anything helpful to Hollywood right now. Chris Pratt's my boy. But anyway, go ahead. Um, and then the, their adversary in the film is Jeff Bridges. Yes. So I just love Jeff Bridges, and he's so good in this movie. Um, but it's two brothers whose household or whose, whose uh, childhood home is being foreclosed on, and in an effort to save the family and, and any you know, future for the family, they go on this outrageous uh, bank robbing spree um, with you know, the, the forever cliche that it's all backed up you know by the federal reserve and that the money's not being taken away from like normal people kind of stuff but they become these like hometown heroes because they're acting against 
you know, big corporate America that's crushing little guy. And the interactions between the two brothers are like really, they just feel real. Like these, like these two guys just kind of sold themselves out for the roles and really bought into it. And the, the way that they play off one another is really interesting to watch. And the res, I love the resolution, or it's not really a resolution, but the close of the film, which I guess I maybe shouldn't give it away, but um, the way that Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges have like their final scene together and the way they interact off one another, it's just a great way to end a story like this because it's not neat and it's not tidy and it's not what would probably happen in real life because like that's not how these things happen between cops and robbers yeah yeah but it, feel, it feels like a much more normal close to something than simply like everybody dies in a blaze of glory and like somehow the feds don't show up <laughs> so i'm a big fan of uh, hell or high water i recommend watching it with a good bud and a bottle of bourbon and just pretending that you live in Texas <laughs> and, and, and committing yourself to the process for two hours instead of frozen wisconsin and germany that's right. Exactly. I have wanted to see that before. Like that's been one that's floated out there for a while. Just that do I just, it. I, John, I make him do it. Make him follow through. Put it on like the list, John. I will make sure. Thank you. Uh, my number three is a movie that like along the lines of your drop dead gorgeous. I'm a little, I, well, no, you weren't embarrassed to mention drop dead gorgeous, but I'm a little embarrassed to talk about how much I love this next movie. In fact, I love it so much so that I watched it again yesterday. Because I wanted to make sure that I knew that I loved this movie that much. And I was like, oh, crap. I really do love this movie. Uh, my number three. Speak your truth. I know. I really have to. I really, really have to. My number three came out in 1995. And it is Muriel's Wedding. Have you ever what? seen Muriel's Wedding? No. Okay. Hold on. John's laughing right now. Okay. Because he hears a derision in my voice, and he feels the same way. Correct. Right. John, have you seen it? Uh, I did see it. It was playing in the room when I was in the room. Okay. Well, I sat down and took <laughs> it out of its DVD case and put it in its DVD player and watched that it again. Like, that sounds like a volitional act. That was so, it so was. much intent. So here's the thing. First of all, I've talked about how much I love Tony Collette. I love Tony Colette. In fact, I was like looking at my list. Other movies that did not make my list today include About a Boy, which has Tony Collette in it. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. And then, like, Little Miss Sunshine is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Tony Collette is in that. And I, I was like, can I put that on the list? No. It won, it won an Oscar. People know that movie. I can't put that on that list. But I was like, oh my gosh, can I just make a Tony Collette list? Muriel's Wedding is about... Muriel, a young social outcast in Australia, she steals money from her parents to finance a vacation where she hopes to find happiness and perhaps love. Director and writer PJ Hogan. Now, let me tell you that this movie goes way beyond that really, really bad internet movie, uh, imdb.com description, okay? Basically, Tony Collette, who I think is like this beautiful actress, they, like, I don't know, this was like one of her first movies and she is raw. Like, Hollywood has not hit her. It's an Australian movie. And I'm not saying that, you know, she's not good looking or anything like this. But, like, compared to later on, she is raw in this movie. Um, it is so funny. The music of ABBA underscores the entire movie. And you know how much I love ABBA. Clearly not part of any road trip, pod, road trip <laughs> no, playlist that you want to listen to. Okay. Ever. Okay. I, not even in whatever. Sweden. Again. Again. We, <laughs> again, we're friends, but, you know, we don't always agree. Um, it is, what's interesting about it is that she's not a lovable character 
especially kind of towards the beginning and then in the middle of the movie. But you grow to love her. Uh, another co-star, Rachel Griffiths, known for Six Feet Under and other amazing movies that she's been in. Um, basically, you've got this character, this outcast that that becomes she finds her community. She finds people that she connects with. She does a lot of deceitful, wrong things, but in the end, she all makes up for it. And the reason why I, 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 I'm saying this movie needs to have more recognition or more, or more, I don't know, remembrance, I guess per se, is like I remember when Four Weddings and a Funeral came out back when I was in seventh grade, and everybody was like crazy about that movie. And I remember like watching it. Now, granted, I was in seventh grade and I was like, this is stupid. I don't completely get this. And then like in 1995, a year later, it was all of these independent films that came out. And really a lot of them, I was like, eh, whatever, except for Fargo, which is amazing. But Muriel's Wedding came out at this time and it is funny. It is charming. It's a great story. If you haven't checked it out, you can borrow my DVD copy. I'll send it to you <laughs> and uh, take some time. Watch that. So movie. I looked it up while you're talking and I, I do like Tony Collette a lot. And um, what's, Bob, Tony freaking Collette. She's pretty great. And what's interesting is that Andrea right now is going like through kind of like her mental Rolodex of films that she likes from this era, yes! especially like rom com yeah! type stuff. And she's put together this list of things that she wants us to watch together. And we've been doing it for the past month or so. And I'm, I'm going to put this on the list. We'll watch it probably this week. And she will be happy that I'm doing it. You'll be happy that I'm doing it. And I'm looking forward to watching it. Keep you me posted. Yeah, What'd you say, John? I just, I just said the only one that won't be happy in that situation is Rob because he has to watch it. I am, I am. Rob, no, I love it. Open it mind. I love that. Yeah, Muriel's wedding's great. It's funny, and I like Tony. I'm keeping an open mind. It's good. It's good. All right, number two. I feel very good about this one, and I, and I, okay. and I think you'll probably feel good about this too. So this, this to me is a, it's a great picture of like the things that you get from a person that's in the realm of artistic production early in their career before they have a clearly okay. established identity, which is typically tied to much larger funding streams that result in like a different mm. element of their creativity coming out. And okay. I think it, this one, again, in my perspective is better than what comes after. Although what comes after is spectacular. I like this better because it feels more organic and it feels okay. more, it feels, I think this is more true to the director's personality. And again, I'm projecting because I don't know the man at all, but it just seems like, <laughs> this, like, no, I think you're probably yeah, right. When, like this like, just seems to be like probably the type of guy that he is. And that uh, when he got more money and could create stuff that was like more fully formed, it, it, it hid him a little bit. So, you know, the man really well, we already talked about him. It's embarrassing that yeah. I couldn't remember his name. Cause I like, I just had like, like a stutter, but Wes Anderson, which one did you choose? Wes Anderson's first film, Bottle Rocket is absolutely oh! awesome. And yes. the thing that's crazy... You made me watch Bottle Rocket. It's because of um, you I watched it. it. Is. And yes. what I didn't realize yes. about this is that I didn't realize it tanked so bad. So the movie cost $7 million, which is not... There's not a small amount of money for a guy's first feature film. Right, that's a little surprising. <laughs> it only made 500000 Like, it completely wow. bombed. Which I think it just wasn't the right... You know, it wasn't the right time. If he'd had the vision of Andre 3000 to not release the movie when he had the idea for it, but to wait until the culture had caught up 10 years later, he would have been seen as like, you know, a genius, but maybe he wouldn't have made, you know, life of aquatic First or of something. All, <laughs> I'm so, I hate life aquatic. First of all, I love that you just compared him to Andre 3000. Second of all, I'm just really, really happy you brought up Andre 3000 for so many reasons. <laughs> and you know, the main reason. 
The song is called Valentine's Day. It's on that Outcast album, The Love Below. Please listen. Okay, back to Bottle Rock. This, this might be the first year that on Valentine's Day we didn't text each other. I didn't. It crossed my mind, and I just didn't and do I it. I'm sorry. You. But it's, it's like okay. the first year in like 17. And it's, it's, it's okay because yeah. we had this instead. This is better. We had this. This matters. Yeah. This is better than Valentine's. <laughs> Did you want to talk more about Bottle I Rocket? I do because it's Go Luke ahead. Wilson and Owen Wilson. And their, their very yes. little known brother, Andrew Wilson, uh, has a role in the film. But the thing that I like about it is that it's it, – again, it's like maybe there's like a problem here with me. But it's robbers, again, like, you know, lowbrow, <laughs> you know, crook comedy. But I'm loving that you're saying cops and robbers several times in this podcast. I've got six. I got three boys in the house. Six small kids. Um, but they're they're trying to like create for themselves this bright future by uh, by both generating uh, a sense of of uh, place in the criminal underworld, but also uh, the money that goes along with it. And they're just completely and totally incompetent. Not in the way that people are incompetent in like Home Alone, um, which is right. you know, <laughs> the slapsticky type the three stooges but like the real incompetence that would happen if people that have no idea what they're doing were immediately told you must rob a house in the next 60 minutes you know like it just it's like real life incompetence so pretty much me yeah exactly me. right okay. and uh, it's a tough you know honestly i went back and watched it recently it came out in 96 i watched it recently it is a tough film to watch because the pacing isn't quite spot on but the yeah. people are so funny to watch interact, and the scripting is so. I can't, like. It feels to me like half of it's ad libbed. It's like it's kind of like Christopher Guest and Wes Anderson oh, sure. made the film together because like these guys are making it up as they go along, but they didn't do the rehearsals that you would do in a Christopher Guest film. They're doing the rehearsals you would do in a Wes Anderson film, which would come with a script, and they just didn't get it. And so yeah. like Luke and Owen are trying to make it up as they go along, and they, the end result ends up having a lot of comedy. But again, Mark Mothersbaugh, you know, uh, scored it. He does. I think he's done all of Wes Anderson's films. Um, but super, super funny. It's got one of my favorite lines in it, which is where Luke and Owen are getting ready to go rob this particular place, and they tell their compatriot, whose name I can't remember right now, uh, the, the actor's name, but his name in the movie is Bob, and they're, they're saying, hey, I'm this X here, Dignan's a triangle here, and Bob, you're the zero here in the car. And just, the, like, the <laughs> idea of telling somebody, like, you're the zero in the car, and that's where you're going to stay this whole time, it just kind of, for me, encapsulates all of it. And I quote it all the time with my brothers. Like, we're always telling each other, you're the zero here in the car. Like, we're going to go do the real thing, and you stay here and do the fake thing because we can't trust you. So, Battle Rocket. But never been. But never been. Never been. No. Never been. Um, real quick, favorite Wes Anderson movie, go. Oh, for sure, Battle Rocket. No question. Oh, oh really? Yeah, no question. Okay. Yeah, number two is number two's Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Okay, John's is Royal Tenenbaums. Do you know mine? It's, uh... Um... Grand Budapest? Okay. No, no, not Grand Budapest. Budapest. It's the one with the train. No. Oh, it's not? Not Jarling Limited. No. I don't know. Is it Rushmore? Moonrise Kingdom. I should have known that. Dang it. Oh, you actually said that on a I podcast mean, recently. I did. And if you know Moonrise <sighs> Kingdom and you know me, you're like, that I'm makes sorry. sense. That makes I failed. Complete, I even knew the sense. answer. That's okay. That's okay. Or at least I heard the answer. I'm I a better friend. It. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what about you? Number two. Okay, so my number two... Uh, I referred to when I came back to when we were talking about music earlier. And I remember when I watched this movie, I loved this song that I'm going to have John play here in just a second. Second, it's it's Vampire Weekend's Ottoman. John, play just a quick clip of that song. Ottoman couch, how handsome your furniture, lovely and now, but dress for funeral, begging you to sit for a portrait on the wall. 
came out, I loved that song that was in the movie, and I was like, I gotta somehow get my hands on that song. And weirdly enough, now you're gonna laugh at this, you couldn't buy the song all by itself on iTunes. You had to buy it with the album of the movie, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. <laughs> have you seen that I movie? Oh, do you like that movie? You, I feel like you're no, hesitant. No, no, yeah, I do. I mean, it doesn't, it didn't like, you know, grab me by the throat, but I do like it. Oh. And I'm a, I'm a total grabbed, audiophile, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm on board. It grabbed me by the jugular when I watched that movie because it cracked me up. Um, Michael Sarah, who was in his heyday at that time of Juno and coming off of Arrested Development and um, um, Scott Pilgrim and uh, just other things that he was a part of. Like Michael Sarah was all over the place. And I truly think that that was one of his best movies. Absolutely hilarious. Oh, I forgot Superbad. He was in Superbad. He was. Absol- Maybe he was better in Superbad. Anyway, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um great great movie basically it's it's a it's a really simple premise uh the the story is nora asks nick to pretend her, uh, to be her boyfriend for five minutes over the course of the night they try to find their favorite band's secret show and search for nora's drunken best friend who is played by i don't even know but absolutely hilarious director peter solit writer lorraine scafaria um Mike, like I said, Michael Sarah, Kat Dennings from Two Broke Girls and other things um, is is in it. It's it's just one of those movies where like, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's other big things out there like Mean Girls. Don't get me wrong. I love Mean Girls. So funny. It's amazing. It's one of the greatest movies, in my opinion. Um, there's so many other things that are kind of like along that lines when it comes to genres. And this one, I think, gets lost. And I feel like. Like, it's so good. It's so, so funny. Um, the only thing I can't handle is at one point in the movie, this girl throws up in the toilet and she loses her gum and she picks the gum back up out of the toilet and puts it in her mouth. That's the only Ooh. part of the movie where I'm like, I can't handle I can't handle that part in the movie. But the rest of the movie, and like, it, it doesn't end in the way that you think it's going to end. I mean, they end up together, obviously, but like it doesn't end exactly how you think it's going to end, but it's really good. And he's got these friends that are very, very atypical that are hilarious at the same time. Um, it's, it's a very typical teen romantic comedy with a lot of atypical things in it. And I love it. Nora, Nick, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I want to watch that one against you. It's been, it's been way too See, long. I'm a playlist guy. And I, and I will okay. always have affection for Michael Sarah from Arrested Development. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Number one, top of the mountain. Why are more people not watching this you movie? You know what it is. What is you it? know what it is. Do I know oh, what it sure is? You know what it is. 100%. Okay. You want to okay. try? Do you want to guess? If you say Requiem for a Dream, <laughs> our friendship is over. Goodness, no. Oh, that's so <laughs> brutal. Um what is this, it? Okay, Why can't I remember? Has, I should, oh, no, no, I know what it is. Our friendship is over. I hate this movie so Daniel, much. You hate it because you ain't it. Oh, you, don't, you don't know how good this is because you've never, you've never given your heart over to the experience. I'll try again, but I fell asleep the first time. I'm not going to list the, the brand name actor that's in it because <laughs> he's honestly the weak part of the film. You're, okay, that is but true. But it has Hank Azaria. Anything that Hank Azaria I love is, Hank Azaria. Is, is like, yeah. guaranteed, like it's, it's at least on a list. Like, you know, it can't be, it can't be off the list because Hank Azaria is in it, right? It's got William <laughs> H. Macy, which then puts it on a good list. Oh, You've got Greg okay. Kinnear, who in his role, I just, he's so stinking adorable and just good and, and like, 
He's such a perfect cast. It makes me so happy just thinking about it. I always like my fingers got I all mean, tingly. It, Paul Rubens. We love Paul Rubens. Don't get me wrong. Garofalo. But more, more importantly, yes. perhaps two two names that need to stand out in your mind as you watch this thing over again: Jeffrey Rush mm-hmm. as Casanova oh, Frankenstein. Geez. Oh jeez. And Tom Waits. It's coming full circle. Tom Waits Tom, made it again. Tom Waits is in the beginning of the movie. Like he opens it no less, which is crazy. But the, we haven't said the oh, name of the movie. Say the name of the movie. movie. I'm trying to like do the dramatic buildup that you always do. Okay, keep it going. The name if of the, the movie. audience doesn't know at this well, point. I mean, that's too much to ask of me. I don't have that kind of endurance. Released in 1999, <laughs> the film is yet another spoof. And again, I'm sorry that was not the intentional theme. It was just what was being made it just at the happens. time. It's super funny. It just happened. It's worth the watch. The movie is Mystery Men. And oh, it is this group. Audience, listen. <laughs> Listen, no, this is where I'm stopping. <laughs> Rob wanted me to watch this movie so badly oh, over our friendship. And one night we were at his parents' house. Had to have been 2004. And he's like, we're watching this. And I could not stand it. I think I fell asleep a couple so times. Good. I tried really, really Don't hard. Don't listen to him. It's a wonderful. It's super stinking funny. Four <laughs> misfit fake superheroes who have the named powers... So Captain Furious is Ben Stiller, who I didn't originally know because <laughs> Ben Stiller, you know, just it's Ben Stiller. But even so, right. Captain Furious, whose, whose power is like super strength, which he actually doesn't have, and you learn that early on, so I'm not <laughs> giving anything away. You get the Blue Raja, who is not blue and is not Indian, but it's Hank Azaria, mm-hmm. and he throws cutlery, except for knives. He doesn't throw <laughs> knives, right? You've got... Okay, um, that is funny. You've got Paul Rubens who does, wants to be a part of the team, but it's not supposed to be a part of the team, and he kind of like wheels his way in, but his superpower is farting, which sounds juvenile because it is, but in the movie it's less juvenile than it sounds. It works, it and works. And then most importantly, you've got William H. Macy as the shoveler, who wears oh, like Saturday morning softball attire for old men and hits people in the face with the shovel. It's, you know, as I'm saying it out loud, it sounds terrible. It really does sound bad. But I promise because you that it, it works. Because it kind of is. Because Janine Garofalo is the bowler. And actually, now that I think about it, Dane Cook, doesn't Dane Cook make an appearance as the waffler? Is he? Yeah, play this clip. All right, state your name and power. I am the waffler. With my griddle of justice, I bash the enemy in the head, or I burn them like so. Oh, don't do that. I also have uh, my truth syrup, which... Uh, is low fat, and I've been working on a theme song, kind of a waffle man. I am the waffler, golden crispy, bad guys of history. Yeah, and I'm running. You know, just think about it. Do you have a health plan, by the way? Maybe dental eye. Next. There it is, singing his waffle song. So, oh so dear, good. oh dear. How did Dane Cook make this list twice today? Blows my oh, mind. No, he's ubiquitous. He's like a virus. <laughs> But it's these four misfits. They expand their team to seven. They are trying to do a good thing and support Captain uh, Amazing. Sorry, I said Captain Furious. It's Mr. Furious. Ben Stiller's Mr. Furious. Captain Amazing's Greg Kinnear. <laughs> He's a real superhero in the, in the ilk of Batman and gets in trouble with Casanova Frankenstein, who's his arch villain. And in an attempt to help... Uh, I won't spoil this critical element of the plot. But in an attempt to assist Captain Amazing... Critical element of the plot <laughs> an attempt to assist captain amazing they don't do a great job and so now they must undo what they have done by becoming true superheroes by finding the powers inside of them which is 
oh, a dear. little bit, you know, too fluffy for me. But it, like I said, it works. But you it love works, it. And I love it. And it's got Tom Waits in it. And it has this wonderful old lady whose name I don't know, but I probably should because she's great. Running a junkyard and just generally yelling at Ben Stiller all the time about his inability to junk it, as she says. Which is her requirement for him to tear apart essentially a steel cylinder with his bare hands. But he, he can't. So she's angry at him. Anyway, just watch the movie and, and love it. I'm smiling at how much you love it. It's really, really good. <laughs> Audience, we want to hear from you. How much do you love Mystery Men? I'm sure that I am in the, in the minority of this list. I'm sure I'm that I am. shredded for this decision. That was, I don't think so. Number one. I put Muriel's Wedding on my list, so I'm sure that I'm going to get tons of crud. I want to hear but it. I will not get tons of crud for my number one. Well, that makes, that makes my me number sad. One, I wish you were in the boat with me, like in the sinking shell of no. my hopes for Mystery Men. I wish you were sitting next no. to me, but instead you're not. You're in the tugboat flying past. So my number one did win an Academy Award, okay? And we've talked about this movie before on the podcast. My number one is Once. Once have you seen? Rob? No. Do you have any idea what I'm talking no, about? No, you just kind of like threw it out there without any intro. So now I'm feeling like all kind of confused. Once is incredible. But you know the song Falling Slowly, correct? No. Oh, Rob! Glenn Hansard. Glenn Hansard and Marquita Urglova. I do not know this. Okay. Oh, I'm so, so happy this is happening on my podcast. <laughs> it's a super right. low-budget movie. So. This movie came out, I have to look it up again, 2006, 2007. Let me read for you. Well, I actually didn't put down the summary. Uh, directed and written by a guy named John Carney. Glenn Hansard and Marquita Urglova, who I've talked about before um, on this podcast, they were they were the Swell Season. That's the name of their group. Amazing music. They were both in this movie. And the basic premise of this movie is that this guy who is a down and out musician, who's got some great songs, falls in love with this woman who sells roses. They combine together because they both have musical talent. And they essentially, on one occasion, one night, put together an album. They are in complete love with each other. And I have to leave it there. This movie, in fact, I only discovered back so many years ago when I read an article that said, this is the number one movie of the year that people should be watching. And I was like, huh? And then I remembered, I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Rob. I remember at my in-law's house, I remembered, I went and I rented it from Family Video Brought it back, and Lori's like, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, I'm watching this movie, because that's how my wife talks. <laughs> and I put it in, and I just was floored at how amazing of a movie huh. it is. It is slow-paced, but the tension of, of, of these two characters and how much they are falling for each other, and you realize that they really can't be with each other, is so strong and heartbreaking. The music speaks to my soul. It is a fantastic movie and one of the more funnier moments I'm going to have John play right now in a brief clip. Oh, broken-hearted Hoover fixer sucker guy. Oh, broken-hearted Hoover fixer sucker sucker guy. One day I'll go there and win her once again. But until then, I'm just a sucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rob, do what you can. Audience, do what you can. If you've never seen Once and you just know the song Falling Slowly, which won Best Song back when it came out, you need to check out this movie. 
it's I'm, amazing I'm and deserves all the credit i'm gonna do this daniel they're 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 their their time on the oscars too yeah you should go to youtube and watch it because it's one of the cutest performances and then like speeches after they win ever. Yeah. It's just so great. We talked about it on an episode and we need to put it back up again. But basically what ended up happening is they won the Oscar. Glenn Hansard got to, got to speak and then they got, went to commercial and they cut off Marquita Urglova. And when then they came back, John Stewart said, we cut off this person. You need to hear her talk. And they brought her back on stage and she finished the speech, which was amazing and super cool. That's pretty Stewart. cool. Yeah. Um, the movie became a Broadway musical, and uh, it became a fantastic Broadway musical. Lori and I got to see it one time um, when it came to, to Milwaukee. It is, it, is, it is stellar, so make sure you check out Once, Mr. Wallace. Rock and roll. For I'm sure. Down. I, pretty, pretty much any movie that has a super solid soundtrack, I'm automatically inclined to, oh. to feel positively towards. Yeah. And, and so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I just pulled up the movie and I pulled up the song on Spotify. I'll listen to it on the way home. No, I'm going to tell excited. you, I'm going to tell you falling slowly. is not my favorite song. The one that I want you to listen to is called when your mind's made up. And right. I would actually encourage you not to listen to the music outside of the movie until oh you watch the movie. Gosh. Because, because, Controlling. Because it, was so, it was so great. Yeah. Every aspect of that movie is so great. And the the music really pulls you yes. along in the movie. Yes. And 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 I, I would hate to have you have like I don't know, come up with expectations or something based on uh, how you liked it outside of the movie. Uh, I, I think that it, you'd be better served to watch the movie first. John's got I a really good you. point. That's a good, good point. When your mind's made up, when it appears in that movie, it 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 rips the soul. It rips my soul, unmelded from yours, Rob. Now and absolutely <laughs> destroys it. It is so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Right. Please, cool. Please. I'm looking forward to it. Aw, shucks. Well, let's take. It's interesting. Yeah. On Spotify. There's only five thousand likes for a for a, an album that won an Oscar. That's pretty. Yeah. unusual and those people are stupid and they're or no those 5,000 are fantastic the rest of the world needs to make a better choice <laughs> yeah. it's it's legitimately fantastic you'll love it i accept okay john you have your top five what are yeah, your I'm top five movies you. you guys are gonna hate my list like big time hate it <laughs> but i swear but there's I gladiator on there? in there and i'm gonna hate my life of course of course it is dude <gasps> Because, Transformer. Because of, because, of, because of that response right there, okay? <laughs> like, my number five is Waterworld, okay? Now, Waterworld... I love Waterworld. Waterworld gets such, gets such a bad rap. It gets such a bad rap. It, the, every, the whole world's against it because the budget went over and everyone started making fun of it. And they were like, uh, dance with wolves with gills and fish. And it was just so stupid. And because, because it's a legitimately fun action movie. It's very funny. I love Dennis Hopper in it. He's so great. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage is great. Uh, the kids are great. Uh, it's hard to get a movie that has a good kid actor. Nicholas Cage is in Waterworld? No. Kevin Costner. I meant, I met Kevin Okay, Kostner. good, good, good. Yeah. Sorry. Matt, it's I Mad Max on Water. It's a great Nicholas movie. Cage. It is legitimately good. I agree with you. It and does. So it does exactly like what it says it's going to do. <laughs> it's, it's a they even have an extended version. There, there's an even extended version. that's 45 extra minutes, and I love it even more. It's so great. <laughs> and, and anyway, so um, number four is a spoof movie in the in the realm of Rob. Last Action Hero. Oh, that is a good I movie. Oh, I haven't seen Last it. Last Action oh, Hero. Oh, it's good. Most people haven't seen yes. it. Yes. 
And it's um, the the premise is this kid rips the ticket, and in this theater, and he can enter in the world of movies. When they're in the world of movies, everyone's bullets never run out. Everyone's shots miss. Yep. And then when they come out of the world of movies, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it, his bullets run out, and he's like, "What? What's going on?" Like he doesn't he doesn't understand his bullet has, his gun has never run out of bullets in his whole life because he's an action hero. And so, and like it, the whole movie is just hilarious, and it's really really great. Yeah. Okay, number three, Michael Clayton. Okay, now oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, have you ever heard of Michael Clayton, Rob? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Okay. Oh, wow. So it was, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the movie on my list that got the most critical acclaim. Yeah. It got seven Oscar nominations, and it won one Til- for Tilda yeah. Swinton. Yeah. But here's the deal. No one's ever seen it. No one's ever heard of it. Yeah. No one talks about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy to me because the, 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 the acting performances are on a, a class that I can't – I mean, like – I would put it in like the maybe the top five all time for acting, like like, and 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 I'm talking about uh, George Clooney. Yep. His 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 acting in that is incredible. Tom Wilkinson should have won an Academy Award. He is amazing. Tilda Swinton did win. Like those three characters are all so solid and it's so good, and I could not uh, uh, recommend it enough. It is pretty fantastic. Um, yeah. Number two is The Apostle. With oh, Robert Duvall. Yeah, still haven't Very seen it. Very few people have seen it. Still haven't seen it. Very few people have seen it. He got nominated for an Oscar. Yep. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton is in it. Um, he, he, no, he was good in this Sure, movie. sure. Anyway, anyway, The Apostle didn't even get a DVD release. Like, not a DVD, a Blu-ray release. Oh. It was only on DVD. It never got to Blu-ray. And so, like, you can, you can rent it on Amazon Prime, but very few people have seen it. And, like... Uh, I feel like it deserves, it's a little movie that deserves a lot more than it's been given. Yeah. Um, number one for me is Apocalypto. Apocalypto oh, no. is a movie made by Mel Gibson. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody knows Apocalypto. Listen, How is that your number no, no, one? No. no, 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 no. Listen, everyone knows it. Sure, they know it, but they they dismiss it because it, it's Mel Gibson. He's crazy. He is crazy. Uh it, it and and that's totally cool. Like I'm fine with you dismissing it because of Mel Gibson. I'm great with that. This movie should be right up there with any other like chase movie or any kind of movie that's like action movie. Like an action movie that you love is fantastic. I I love the visuals. I love the audio. Like it's just a great movie. And you guys are both wrong. I can see your faces that you don't agree with me. You're wrong, and that's okay. I still I'm, love you both. I mostly love your passion. On on a, every single time we make a podcast, John says to me, "You're wrong. I know you're wrong." <laughs> <laughs> All right, audience, passion let convicting. us know which part of our lists are crazier: Apocalypto, Mariel's Wedding, or what was the one you mentioned, Rob? That I was making <laughs> mystery man. Mystery man. There you go. There you go. Oh, Rob, it's been a blast having you on this podcast. I laugh wholeheartedly with you. And you know, I love you, Rob. Love you too, Daniel. Thanks for listening. I know what was on your list of questions. Where is Lost in Lists on the internet? First, Lost in Lists has its own Facebook page and Twitter account. On Facebook, just search us at Lost in Lists. And on Twitter, we are at InLists. Also, 
we have our own website, lostinlists.com. Check it out. There's a lot of fun stuff on there. Guess what? Lost in Lists is on just about every major podcast platform. So wherever you listen, please show us some love. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. Especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. If you do, leave us a five-star review and a praiseworthy comment. I mean, only if you want to. It doesn't validate me as a human being or anything. Whatever. Anyway, if you have a podcast topic suggestion, or you would like to share some tips and advice, we'll take it. Feel free to email me at dan at lostinlists.com. That's D-A-N at L-O-S-T-I-N-L-I-S-T-S dot com. Anchor gives you an opportunity to donate money. So if you want to contribute to Lost in Lists, I'll take it. Look, I'm not too proud to admit it. If not, I'm not offended. Lost in Lists is hosted by me, Dan Konopasik. It's produced and edited by the amazing John Andrus. Thanks again, and you are definitely not lost on my list. Bye!